Welcome to a new episode of Good Morning Camera. We've took an extra few days because there's a lot of exciting things. Anthony, I hope you don't mind the delay, but we got quite a bit to talk about. Are you excited for this episode? I was dying, actually, uh, to talk. I honestly... <laughs> you were just there dying over the weekend. Just, I was I was just... waiting and waiting and waiting because this ZVE1, I, I kid you not, I think I had an argument with myself for like four days over this camera, and I was like, I need to get on the call with Gadgen and discuss, but I also have some other big news, Gadgen. I shot my first, first like legit short film. Uh, it's wow! A, yeah, the first, first one that is like a, it's like a serious short film. It's not a serious short film because it's a comedy, but it is a serious short film. So that comes out Friday the fourteenth at seven thirty. So if this, if you're, and where you're, where can people watch this? Where can people watch this? WeRoseNetwork.com slash movies. That's where it's going. And it's gonna just be linked to my YouTube channel. But my YouTube channel is just Anthony Jackson and it's kind of hard to find. So if you go to WeRoseNetwork.com slash movies, essentially this movie is about uh, a ping pong champion of the world has a dream and he's told to follow that dream by a fortune cookie. And it is really funny. Um, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. <laughs> it's really funny. And it was shot on the Panasonic S5 Mark II in 6K open gate. So uh, even more reason to to kind of tune in because we've talked about that camera and why it's so a good. Lot. So, yeah, we talked about it a lot. And uh, all right. Yeah. So that kind of that kind of prefaces prefaces the creator draft pick that's coming down the road. We'll save it for the end of the episode. That's our favorite part. But Gajan. Are we? We got the Sony ZV-E1. We have yes. some Canon, yes. some Canon news, and yes, and a new camera that was just announced thirty minutes ago. <laughs> yes, Let, can I can I start? Listen, you got to tell me about the Sony ZV-E1. What is this camera all about? Yeah, I think this honestly might be. This is like lit a fire on the internet. It's kind of gone a little bit crazy. People are like kind of pissed off. People are uh, jumping for joy because at the same time, this is a full frame camera with the same sensor as the A7S III. We got 4K, 10-bit, 422 color science, no mechanical shutter, but it can do photo and video. It can shoot 4K 120p with a 1.1 times crop. It does have dynamic stabilization with a crop uh, and the ability to live stream in 4K. The people are saying essentially like, this is a better camera than the A7S III, but it has the exact same sensor, and it comes in at a price of $2,999 Canadian. That's kind of the big kicker here. There are a few other details, but first impressions, Gajan, what do you think about this camera? Like I said, I argued with myself for four days about this camera. What What do you think? I, I'm just, I'm crazy impressed with this thing. And look, I get it. Maybe you're upset if you bought an A7S III, uh, A7S III, I should say. And now this comes out, but like that, that's just technology, right? If you're yeah. going to keep waiting, you're going to be waiting forever. There's always going to be a next greatest thing. So it is cool that they've expanded the lineup. They've in essentially introduced a new product category, which is like that content creator form factor, right? Super slim, full, full articulating display. And then they've thrown in what I believe the best sensor that they have mm -hmm. for their uh, A7 series lineup, and that is this uh, 12 megapixel BSI sensor with fantastic phase detect autofocusing and just a crazy amount of dynamic range. 
This is wild. I, I, I'm actually kind of taken back. They sent it to me for a couple of days. We made a couple of bumpers for Henry's. I'm just taken back because, you know, there are some concessions that this camera gives up. But if you're looking for a premium creator tool, right, like you want to go out, you want to document your life, you want to even like, you know, shoot other things, you want to do this, uh, uh, this little journey toward becoming a filmmaker, right? Like you have something here that gives you a crazy amount of features in a very tiny package. And I think that's the cool thing, right? And anytime you can make these premium cameras with these flagship sensors, much smaller, much more portable, it just entices you to use it more, to take it out more. And I, I think that's the most impressive thing about this camera. And then you look at the fact that you're getting like 4K 120, no crop, uh, that's gonna be coming later through a software update. You look at the fact that this has, you know, theoretically up to 400,000 ISO, whatever. But yeah. realistically, at 12,800, it's second level. You like, you could shoot this thing and get clean results. 12,800. Mm. It's crazy. It's crazy. And look, I've seen some videos of some people having some issues with it overheating and that kind of stuff. I think if you're pushing it and doing extended recording and you're in really hot environments, you might hit some challenges. But that's kind of the nature of this, it being so portable that, you know, you kind of have to make a trade-off there. You're going to get great quality, but you might not be shooting as long and as in crazy environments as you would with an A7S III. Yeah, let's talk about some of the smart features right now because there are some new smart features and some ad additions to the older ones that we kind of love in our Sony cameras. The product showcase mode, that's a feature. So you're having this new feature that's called background defocus. It's blurring the background, but it's also, uh, it's it's blurring the background when you are in frame, but they, if I joined in on the frame with you, Gadget, then it would actually uh, lower the aperture even just break it down even lower so that way you get more in focus so that way uh, automatically it will do this you and I will be in focus so for the solo creator who is uh, looking to maybe make their next camera purchase this might be the one to th kind of think about and also there's one last one that I really liked was auto framing so it will crop in and track you which is like a it gives this like dynamic look um, it almost looks like the camera's moving but it's sitting on a tripod and you're just cropping into the sensor, uh, sensor and then you're moving around the frame. So like I said, for solo shooters, this might be the camera to kind of think about, but that's there's a couple problems that I do see with this camera. It's not all, it's not all good. Okay, the lack of IBIS I think is kind of ridiculous because this camera is, is marketed as a full frame ZV camera. So uh, Gen Z, v for vlogging series this is this is what that stands for uh and that if you if you don't have ibis in this camera then you're cropping into the sensor and sony does have a, a software that's called catalyst browse which gives you like an advanced stabilization software that does crop further into the sensor so the way sony is marketing marketing this i kind of think it's a little strange because this is supposed to be the zv series vlogging series camera but there's you're missing that key feature which is ibis and then on top of I, that i gotta you know what i gotta push back anthony i gotta push back because here's the thing <laughs> this is the internet you're, you're sounding off for the internet and i gotta push back here because <laughs> you can't have everything you when you look at a camera this size fitting in ibis is an incredible challenge on top of that the price 
right? When they're trying to hit $2,500 US and you throw in IBIS, it's a technical achievement that they got to do to make it fit here. But then the cost goes up. And then at the same time, we got a full frame sensor. It's not a crop sensor. So you can go wide, you can crop in, you can actually stabilize this in post and playing with the footage. I don't think this is a big deal. I think, you know what? But this is sour grapes. This is sour grapes from, from, <laughs> from the people that are on the floor. Hey, I'm just saying. But this is a full frame camera. So, and they, they've made this such a small camera body that now you're attaching a full frame lens, which is large uh right so the the whole vlog setup isn't gonna be that small i can think of, of about five other cameras that i would probably prefer uh, and they might they some of them are uh, a lot cheaper like i think about the fx30 is a really good camera that's 23.99 canadian the a7 IV is 200 dollars more the uh panasonic s5 mark ii that's 400 dollars less the xh2s that's 50 dollars more that's a, that's a those are a lot of good cameras that i would uh, but maybe all those prefer. cameras all those cameras considerably bigger than this the realistic thing is there are a ton of lenses you can use on this. There's the new Sigma series of E-mount lenses that are very small profile that don't make this that much bigger. You throw on the 17 F4 on this thing, tiny, amazing autofocus. You're golden. You're golden. I, you know what? <laughs> Look, when you're listening, when you listen to Good Morning Camera, you think we're just here, just parading. No, we disagree with each other, and we yeah. argue. This is this is why I needed to talk to you, Gadget, because you're the voice of reason, but at the same time. This camera on its own, I think it's fantastic. But when you start to compare it to other models that are a little bit more affordable, I don't know. It's kind of a toss up. It's hard to say. So uh, I don't know. Gadget. And you know what? That's that's a good problem to have, because I think what this means is that ultimately consumers have choice. Exactly. Right? Yeah. It's it's going to be a hard decision. Shameless plug. If you're having a hard time deciding, go to henrys.com, use a live chat, speak to an expert or go to one of their stores because they're fantastic. But look. When you're when you're a consumer, you want to have this problem so you can decide what are the most important things to you. And exactly. I think if you prioritize size, weight, you want something small, you want something nimble, you want something that actually is maybe a, a, an opposite of your main camera. Like say you have an A9 or an A7 or whatever it may be, and you want something that's a little bit of a contrast to that. Like this is a great thing to consider where the result, the sensor gives you a lot of power, a lot of features, but it's in a very small form factor. Look, we, we've argued enough about this. Can we just go to the next question? Because I yeah. want to know, who do you think this camera is best suited for? Who do you think is going to get the most value out of this thing? So I was trying to trying to wrap it up and I was thinking about like if you're already in the Sony kind of ecosystem I think this is the next camera to get because like what else really is there that's going to give you the same sensor as the a7s3 it's the a7s3 that's it <laughs> and that camera is incredibly expensive compared to this model you're talking an extra what is it like I think it's like a thousand five hundred bucks or something like that so and I also think like if you're a solo creator, 
this is potentially one of the greatest uh, cameras for the solo creator if if you really be careful on like how you're going to use this camera. I think if you stick this on a tripod and you're like shooting in a studio like I do all the time, this would be a fantastic addition to the camera kit studio camera. Uh, that would be perfect. You get the auto framing kind of thing. So uh, I think that feature was really cool to kind of watch uh, creators go about their day vlogging and then have the camera auto crop for you. I think that's fantastic, but I really think it's the solo shooter. And if you're already in the Sony ecosystem, then this really does make sense. So Gadget. I, I, I agree with you. I agree with you. I would stretch it to even include people that might be upgrading from a DSLR or yeah, maybe a crop yeah, sensor sure. camera. Like I would say, you know, is this the first thing you should consider if you're going to become a creator? I don't think so, only because I think that you should have a little bit of a runway and prove yourself and, you know, actually make stuff, yeah. get excited about making stuff. But like, say you've been making some YouTube videos or Instagram reels and you want to upgrade what you have, or maybe you just want to graduate from something and you have that sort of discipline. You're already making stuff consistently yeah. and you're primarily in that video space. I think this is a camera you would consider. If you were more, more on the photography side, I don't think I'd recommend this first just because of the ergonomics and there might be some more competitive options. But yeah, I think if you've been making, uh, cutting your teeth, putting out a lot of video and have that discipline, I, you've got to take a hard look at the ZV-E1. Exactly. So Ganjin, speaking of maybe marketing gimmicks that's happening in the camera world, the Canon R5C just got approved by Netflix. Do you think people are sleeping on this camera? I'm super interested in this question because I know you have the C70 and those are two very competitive cameras. So what do you think? Netflix approved R5C. Are people Should people jump on the R5C? Yeah, R5C, which they've taken the R5, they've given a big old booty on the back with a fan <laughs> that keeps it cool so you can shoot for an extended period of time and it can capture up to 8K footage, full frame sensor, tons of dynamic range. And now it is officially approved by Netflix for their in-house productions, which basically means that it meets a set of criteria that if you are shooting for Netflix, that you can shoot up to 90% of your content on a product like this. So there's a bunch of cameras on their list from Ari to Panasonic to Red to uh, Sony, and Canon has a few cameras there. The C70 was on that list I think pretty much since it came out, it got approved pretty quickly. This is the first R-series camera, as far as I know, that's now on this list. What took me as a surprise is I didn't think that this would be possible. I didn't think that, you know, you could have a camera come out and a year and a half to close to two years later, you haven't then become approved by Netflix for their kinds of productions. But, you know, the fact that, Canon is working closely with industry experts, probably working very closely with Netflix, released a firmware update and got this approved. I think that's impressive, right? And what I believe they did was they just improved the quality and dynamic range of C-Log3 in this camera, in this sensor. And I think that's what ultimately got it approved. So are people sleeping on this camera? Yes and no. You know, I, I think there's reasons why if you are an independent creator, if you're an up and coming filmmaker that you would consider a Sony product it, because it does make your life easier in some regards uh, when you're especially a solo operator. That being said, if you really care about the color, the look, 
uh, the, the, the quality of the image. I'm kind of biased. I kind of like where the Canon colors kind of start off with. And, you know, I don't see a lot of people clamoring for an R5C right off the bat. Mm -hmm. So are people sleeping on this camera? Potentially. But I don't think it's unwarranted. You know, 8K is great, but I don't think that if you're an independent or a medium-sized uh, filmmaker, like, I don't even think that that's critical to the work that you're doing, right? I think you should look at image quality. I think you should look at color uh, and dynamic range first. So with that said, you know, when you have an R5C, like, I still think that even though it's a Super 35 sensor, the C70 is a way better thing to consider. Just gives you way better features, better audio output, better battery option, better dynamic range. And you actually have something there that you can like really grow into and use as like a solo documentary tool or build into a full cinema solution. So I think people are appropriately considering the R5C. This news probably gives it a little bit of an inflection of just like, oh, like just a little bit of extra marketing. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, this is what I was thinking about. I'm glad you kind of brought up some of those specs. And I was thinking like the R5C regular price is $6,399 uh, $6, Canadian. That's regular price. It does go on sale every once in a while here. I think it is on sale right now. So you'll get a little bit off. But the C70 is $7,000 Canadian. So you'll spend more than 1000 bucks on making the R5C run as a true cinema camera when really the C70 is just built out as a cinema camera already like you're talking like variable nds built into the body on the c70 that alone i think is worth the extra thousand dollars because if you're in this kind of realm of uh, uh videographer then you're probably not gonna slap just any nd filter on the r5c right so you're gonna go with something pre pretty serious so i think i think canon either i'm not too sure if it was a mistake or they did this on purpose but they made the r5c it was jacked this camera is jacked in terms of specs it was it's a beast of a camera but it's maybe in too small of a body i was thinking like this camera kind of feels like the rock in a unicorn t-shirt you know what i mean like <laughs> it's just like it's too jacked something looks a little funny with this camera and uh it shouldn't be wearing a unicorn t-shirt so uh, if you're spending this kind of money like i said you got to accessorize this camera and uh i think the c70 again is might be the better option but really interesting to see it kind of open up uh to the netflix kind of crowd because it just opens the doors for other creators so gadget is there anything else that you'd like to see on the r5c to get like in like a maybe like a future update or maybe like a gen 2 what do you think what does it need you for know, you you know i'm looking at this camera and it like it, it's so close to being a great addition to my cinema kit right like mm -hmm. you know if you want something that is noticeably smaller than a c70 that you don't want to kit out that you want to keep a small profile, right? Like imagine taking a camera like this that feels like a DSLR. It has a viewfinder, which the Canon C70 does not. Mm -hmm. And then you throw on a manual lens that you can just pull focus manually and you just bring it up to your eye and you're sort of doing this like viewfinder video, which I did a lot of with my Leica SL2S on my recent trip. Like that's a powerful thing. And again, full frame, AK, yada, yada, yada. You have all that stuff. What holds me back personally and I don't think it's possible through a software update, is this doesn't have C-Log2. Mm. C-Log2, as far as I know, I mean, it gives me the best result when I'm starting off. It gives you more dynamic range. And I, I don't know if this sensor is capable of extracting enough dynamic range to actually deliver footage in C-Log2. 
So I think the next version of this camera, whenever it is coming out, I think it's going to be coming out probably after the next version of the R5 comes out. I don't see it coming out before that. That would be the major thing is give us C-Log2. Mm-hmm. The other thing I would say is just one uh, more like pro audio input, like getting mini XLR. That would be huge. I don't think they would even consider putting a variable ND inside of this camera when they have the C70. But it's just one thing. To be honest, it's just one thing. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be picky. Give me <laughs> C-Log2 in the R5C or the next version. And I think that's, that's pretty much going to make it a, a mainstay in my cinema kit. If we were talking dream world, like if they could somehow like attach a battery grip to the R5C, I think that would make it for me because it's kind of ridiculous to only get like, I think it was like 25 minutes or something like that on that regular battery. Of course, they made an external battery, but if you could make like just a battery grip that like fits into the camera, I think a little bit better. That would for for me, I think that would just make the R5C such a, a good camera. But Gadget, we're we're running short on time here. These these topics are too big to, to cover in one episode, and we still got one of the biggest topics to go. 30 minutes ago, we saw the Leica M11 monochrome launched, and you got it right in your hands here. You're showing it on screen here. Oh my gosh, such a great looking camera, such a great shooting camera. Tell us about what this camera actually does since you have it. What's what's happening? Yeah, so Leica is one of the few companies, I think they might be one of the three companies that produces monochrome cameras, these sensors that only see luminosity. They do not see color. So this is the latest one. It's the fourth in the M lineup, the Leica M11 monochrome. So you have the Leica M11. It brings in that body, that form factor. It blacks it out so there's no red logo on it. It's a screw, that black screw right on the front, a black shutter on this thing. It looks absolutely stealthy. I I love it. For me, it's the best looking camera on the market because it doesn't scream camera. It's just so sleek, so effortlessly cool. But the biggest thing here is that you have the 60 megapixel sensor. See, that's a Freudian slip. A sexy (laughs) 60 megapixel sensor. And it doesn't have the color filter array. So it doesn't have these red, green, and blue channels that are competing for light. So as a result, With a monochrome sensor, you're going to have more light that reaches the sensor, meaning that you have a higher ISO ceiling, and you're going to get cleaner results because they're not being divvying up through this color interpolation that's happening on your sensor. So your images are going to have more detail, more clarity, more sharpness to them. And I got to test this out for a couple of days. I think I have it for a few more days. Um, And it's just something that like... If you live in the black and white world, if you take a lot of black and white photographs, I, you know, half of my stuff that I enjoy, most of my personal stuff that I enjoy is black and white photography, you see a noticeable difference. You look at the the dynamic range and the gradation, and like, especially if you're looking at like flowers, leaves, fruits, skin, just the way it shifts from light to dark, there is more information being passed on here. And you see more of those tones than you would in a color sensor that's being converted to black and white. And then you add on top of that, they, they, they just beef this thing up. So it now comes with 256 gigs of internal storage. So you throw an SD card and now you can just do a redundant backup of your raw files on the go. The back LCD is sapphire glass. It's the same type of glass that's being used in premium watches. So you don't even need a screen protector on this thing. So if you, 
if it is super niche, man, like this is like, I don't <laughs> think anybody listening to this show uh, is going to be getting one of these cameras, but it is fascinating that they're doing this thing. I think it's crazy exciting. And it's just, again, it's about choice, right? Like if you live in black and white, if you make your money in photography and you want something that's going to give you like the best black and white image, I think this is the top. I think this is the pinnacle. So uh, you mentioned that this is super niche and I'm glad you kind of went over the reasons why you might want to go with the black and white sensor opposed to a sensor, say like a Fujifilm camera that has great across colors just built in. And it's like a film simulation within the camera. But how much of a benefit does this user get from the black and white sensor? And who who is this camera kind of targeting? I I, I think you're, it's right up your alley. So, but who, who else yeah. are we talking to here? Yeah, so I mean, again, the main benefits, like there's three main benefits with this sensor, right? Is one, you're gonna get more light, higher ISO ceiling. So this camera goes up to 200,000 ISO. And like you can shoot at 50, 100,000 and still get these great results that are more than usable, right? And then you have on top of that, that uh, because there is no color filter array, the details are much better, right? When you actually punch in and you're looking at, you know, hair, you're looking at uh, textured uh, subjects, it just feels cleaner. It looks cleaner. Is it a big difference for your viewer? Probably not. But if you notice it and it's important to you, that's all that matters. Now you take those together and it basically means that when you actually look at high ISO environments, because there's more detail and especially when you're using M lenses and they have a, a non-linear response to your focused area to out of focus area in terms of sharpness and contrast, it means that your grain responds differently and looks differently. So it actually gets you closer to a film look. There's no color noise, obviously, no color, so no color noise. <laughs> so it's less jarring. So you have something here that just gives you uh, a digital representation that's pretty close to what black and white film looks like. So if you are Living in a black and white world, most of your work is shot in black and white, and you just want something that's truly going to elevate that experience. And I think that you're actually making money from your work. You're actually selling prints. You're actually, you know, uh, selling to galleries. Like this is a kind of camera that you would consider. I'll be honest, like I need a second M body in my kit for my photographic work. I'm debating this camera, but, you know, I think what, 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 what's making me patient is that if they were to release an SL series camera, right? That was mm -hmm. monochrome. That took the sensor and it was monochrome, but you could do photo and video. Oh, I boy. think that would be, that would change it for me. That would change it for me. Because then you get the benefits of doing photo and all that kind of stuff and you can adapt your M lenses. But now you can actually shoot black and white with all that dynamic range, with all that tonality in crazy low light environments. That's the one that I don't know. They don't have something like that. I don't know if they'll ever make something like that, but I'm just putting it out to the universe and we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. It's, honestly, I think the the monochrome cameras are so interesting. If you haven't looked into it, you got to at least look into it, even if you're not even considering buying yourself a Leica. I've done the same and seeing the difference between the black and white sensor and just like a sensor that shoots both color and black and white, you got to look into it. But Gadget, we got to move on. We're running short on time here. Creator draft pick time, baby. Can I can I go first? Can I, yeah, can I get it? Yeah, by out? all means. Okay. By all means. So I mentioned I I just shot a short film with the Panasonic S5, and I swear, Gadget, me and the S5 Mark II, we had a moment. 
It was one of those moments where I picked up, I just held the camera for the first time and you go, oh crap. Like I held the camera and I felt the same way as I felt when I bought the first Fujifilm X-T1. I said to myself, how is this camera so affordable for for what it can actually do we're talking six gate 6k open gate it's got all sorts of features within the menu that i didn't really realize because i hadn't actually dug through the menu so i picked four features within the menu that i thought were just excellent and they're one of the reasons why the panasonic s5 mark ii is such a good camera and it is my creator draft pick for this episode first feature I didn't realize that this was a feature within the camera. It's called focus transition. So it, you can set three uh, focus points when you're manually focusing. And then you click on the screen one, it's gonna focus to your focus point number one. You click three, and then it'll run through one, two, and three at a speed that you can choose, which is pretty crazy. You normally need like an extra tool to, to kind of get this feature and like rack focus like this, but this is all built into the camera. Of course, shutter angle was a big one. Set the camera to 180 degrees. You don't have to worry about the shutter speed. The dual native ISO was pretty key. Uh, having the ISO at six, four, uh, 640 and then you jump up to 4000 and you're getting clean images at 4000 ISO, which is unbelievable. I love that feature. And then also another kind of surprising one that I just, this is just a little detail. You can actually change the lens to focus uh, from linear to non-linear, uh, or vice versa, right? So it can you, when you when you rack focus on a non-linear linear lens, it it's like a quick snap focus. So you whip the lens, and it it kind of just the the focus just goes to wherever it it like jumps very very quickly, right? But with a linear focus system or focusing lens, you get a the same kind of focusing kind of mechanism that you would get in a manual focus like cine lens. So you're it's always consistent, which is super nice, and you can actually change that within the body. So the fact that this camera has great dynamic range, six K open gate, uh, and all these features built into the camera. That's my creator draft pick. It's such a good camera. And you guys will see on werosnetwork.com slash movies, this whole short film, it, it looks great. Uh, the, the auto white balance was randomly really good too. Like I shot a couple of the scenes in auto white balance and usually like it can go all over the place. It was very consistent uh, and uh, like a very, it's super nice. Like the auto white balance, which is, is random. It's just, it's just little things nice. that just made it so good. So that's my creator nice. pick. Awesome. I mean, mine might not be as sexy, but I think it's going to give you an equal amount of value depending on the work that you do. It's Envato Elements. So elements.envato, E-N-V-A-T-O.com. This website, I just found it through a friend of mine, and it just has an amazing repository of stock video, of video templates, of music, of sound effects, of graphic templates, uh, presentation templates, fonts. It just has a ton of stuff it's incredibly affordable like it depends on how much you need but you can get it for like 15 bucks a month uh, and use it for you know however long you need and just download a ton of assets hmm. for your creative work so i found myself just going in and getting some graphic templates some sound effects some video templates just to work with right so if you need things like animations that are pre-made whether it's for resolve or premiere if you need something for final cut if you need some intros and that kind of stuff 
it's just nice that instead of buying things a la carte, you can get something where you can just go use it for as long as you need it and grab whatever you need. So Envato Elements, that's that's what I'm going to recommend this week. It's been giving me a ton of value. And I think that if you're living in that creative space, that creative journey, it's worth checking out. There it is. There's our episode. That was a, that was a beefy one. That was a lot, look at, man. Look at I mean, that. Look. We made it. <laughs> we made it. We made it. Look, thank you so much for listening. If you enjoy the show, be sure to subscribe on iTunes and leave us a review. As always, my name's Gadgen. His name's Anthony. And we'll see you next time. See ya. Done.